I V M. Hi, I'm Satyajit. Hi, I'm Rachita. Welcome to Paperback by the Open Library Project. We have as our guest today Tanya Khupchandani Vatsa. Tanya is the author of All We Need to Know About Parenting, which we discuss in the first half of the podcast. In the second half of the podcast, we speak about Lean In by Neil Scovel and Sheryl Sandberg, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and How to Listen So Kids Will Talk by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, and It's Okay That You're Not Okay by Megan Devine. Happy listening. The first time I was completely alone with my son, he rolled off the sofa, literally off the sofa and onto my puppy Coco, who got startled and broke his fall. When I went into my unexpected and early first labor, my mother, who was with me through my delivery, was on a flight to New York. She was expecting to reach New York two weeks before my due date to help me prepare for the baby, unwind and bond over baby shopping. However, as soon as she landed in New York, my brother was waiting at the airport to whisk her off to the hospital for a long night of back rub, screams and contractions. Not only was she there through the labor, she stayed with me in New York for the first three months after my baby's birth. It was a blessing because I was able to focus on feeding my baby as she focused on making sure that I was nourished enough to nurse through the night and regain the strength that I had lost. There were times when she would go for meals with my brother and I was alone with my little one. But knowing that you are alone with someone on the way to help you is very different from knowing that you have to juggle caring for your little one and figure out when to feed yourself, bathe, do laundry and keep your house somewhat orderly. My husband would help out as much as possible, but he was juggling a full-time MBA job and his final semester of part-time job as well. So his hours at home were few and far between. The first time I was truly alone was the day my mother left for India three months after delivery. I was bathed, fed and ready before she left and feeling particularly brave. I decided to take my babies, both the two-legged three-month-old and the four-legged five-year-old, out for a walk. I put Rian in the kick-and-play and stood by it while getting the leash on Coco. While I was trying to figure out how to adjust the straps of the baby carrier, Rian decided to try and roll for the first time and he literally rolled out of the kick-and-play and off the chaise before I had a chance to catch him. Fortunately, he landed on Coco and didn't hit his head on the floor. I was completely traumatized, running through every possible scenario in my head and bawling more than my baby. I had labeled myself an unfit mother right off the bat. However, once I managed to calm down, I found it within myself to get out, get some air and continue to take the boys to the park as planned. While I realized that I needed to be more vigilant and couldn't take my eyes off my little one for even a millisecond, once some time had passed, I also realized that it wasn't as scary as it had felt in those first few moments. Of course, when alone with an infant, you mostly just eat, sleep, do laundry and bathe completely on their schedule. But I also found something oddly comforting in the simplicity of it all and being able to take care of my babies on my own in Day in and day out, I learned to trust myself and rely on my own parenting instincts above all else. Thank you, Tanya Kupchantani Watsa. That was an extract from her book, All You Need to Know About Parenting. We'll be right back after this. Welcome to Paperback by The Open Library Project. I am your co-host, Satyajit, storyteller and entrepreneur. 
I'm hosting this podcast with my co-founder at the Open Library Project, Racheta Sharma. Hi guys, my name is Racheta. I'm an ex-banker, social impact entrepreneur, podcaster, writer, and publisher. You can check out my deliberations on Instagram at neural underscore pathways and my articles for Thrive Global India. Open Library Project is a curated library service which is offered to corporates on a subscription basis. The idea here is to create value, build a knowledge community and encourage a growth mindset amongst our members. Today we have on the show Tanya Kupchandani Watsa, author of the book All You Need to Know About Parenting. Hey Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That extract was uh, like totally like relatable <laughs> because uh, I remember when my niece was born and, uh, you know, um, I ho- was holding her for the first time and like, you know, doing so many things for the first time. It's so scary because, you know, you don't know uh, when they'll tumble or how they're going to react. So I I totally thought that, you know, oh shit, I don't think I can do this and <laughs> I can never be a good Masi. So <laughs> I totally related to it. <laughs> Absolutely. And honestly, I think that comfort comes with time. I have left my brothers. We used to live alone in New York. My husband and I and my son and my brother lived with us uh, when Rian was born. And he kept threatening to move out. And we didn't let him. And I know how many times I've run out of the house and said, okay, Sean, just hold him for a minute. He would be home studying for his GMAT at night and call screaming. And I'd be like, okay, I just <laughs> ran down to get something and then took a few block, walks around the block. But I mean, it was the only way to get sanity when you're completely alone with a baby. That's so true. So uh, why don't you, you know, tell us something about... Uh, you know, how you came about writing this book and uh, uh, about your book and your journey and just parenting so far. So my journey actually uh, happened in the parenting space happened very organically. My background is in public health. I uh, worked when I got pregnant with my son. I was working full time at Montefiore Hospital in the Bronx. Um, I was in charge of four outpatient centers and had a very demanding job, which I absolutely loved. Um, I have a master's in public health and my undergraduate is in economic psychology and English. So given that I was in the healthcare space, I do have some experience with uh, pediatric care. And that's something that I did on the internal medicine floor, but from an oversight, from a managerial perspective. And when my son was born, uh, I started, I was on maternity leave, fully intending to go back to work. And I started writing little notes on my phone that were helpful, just that made my day easier. Like, remember that when um, your baby's diaper is leaking, it means you need to go up a size and not down. My initial instinct was, okay, the diaper needs to be tighter because it yeah. is, uh, it's leaking, but it's actually because it's too tight. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, that I feel just get lost in communication. Everyone will tell you uh, the trite things like sleep when a baby sleeps, but it's the really the details of uh, the entire journey and like the important things that I feel parents need to know, like putting a barrier cream before you put a diaper at night, stuff like that, that I felt was not communicated. And I started writing that on my phone in notes while I was nursing my son. So I would put my phone on airplane mode because I've always been very paranoid about the radiation. And I would write and I sent it to someone who was pregnant and they actually turned around and suggested, these are really good. Why don't you start a blog? And that's how I started writing in parenting. Uh, 
um, I've always loved to write. So just something that came easily. When my first my first four blog posts are literally called fifty things every parent needs to know, and then it's fifty more things and another fifty things, and it's just these easy one line points that that are good to remember and that make your life easier. And um, from there, I realized that the blog was just having a great impact. I was getting comments. I was getting a lot of feedback. I wasn't on social media at all, so it was just what I would put out there, and then it would spread kind of on its own. I think it was easier, frankly, back in the day for organic things to travel. Yeah. Um, now there's so much promotion that goes on, but uh, that's how my blog started. And at some point, I realized I had so much content. I wanted to put it into a book, so I submitted a draft on the Penguin page, and they came back. Um, and they liked it, but they wanted it to be in a more comprehensive format because it was literally one-liners. Mm-hmm. And so I spent two years working with Penguin, rewriting the entire thing, and put in stories like the anecdote I just uh, read you is a story that I added as an intro to a chapter to make it more uh, more relatable and more digestible, and so that people know that okay, they're in the same boat as you. But the crux of my book, like you heard in the chapter, is about how parenting is really instinctive. So while there are tips and there's a lot of advice, it's not in a preachy kind of way. It's a uh, things that could help you from zero to four without telling you that this is what you have to do. So for example, if I'm talking about sleep training, I'm talking about the four different things under sleep training and the four most tried methods. But this is what worked for me. These are the pluses and minuses of each one. And so it's in a it's in these bite-sized portions that the reader can digest on their own and then decide what's right for them and their family. That's wonderful, actually, because. Uh... Like you said, you know, it's very, um, uh, it's very individual to every child. I don't think you can have like a directive on how it should be done. Absolutely, so definitely. You know, perspectives are what would help. And like you said, you know, mothers don't have enough time to do so many things. So you know, the fact that it is so simply read and in point, you know, point format. That's amazing because I've seen all the pregnancy books are so fat and you know, yes, so this is quite thin. If you, uh, yeah, this is uh, already wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're already overwhelmed, you know, when you're going to yeah. have a baby. So I think you don't need any more of it. <laughs> I remember picking up what to expect. That was the first thing that I read oh, because yeah. in every movie you've seen someone yeah. gets pregnant and then that's the first thing they pick up. But honestly, I found it really scary because it starts with week by week and what to expect. In terms of difficulties with your pregnancy, uh, if you feel it could be this and it, or it could be that, and I found it so terrifying. I think I shut it and didn't open it again. <laughs> yeah. So great job, yeah, writing a uh, writing a book that's <laughs> less scary and more relatable. You know uh, what I found really nice about the extract was that you know you landed up blaming yourself for being a hopeless parent, which I think a lot of first time parents kind of go Absolutely. through. And it's totally okay to feel that way, you know, like uh, you're doing something for the first time and it's a difficult thing. And you know, seven years later, we still feel that way. Like today, my son mm-hmm. had a really hard time focusing during homeschool. And I was frustrated and like, and, and struggling not to yell because I know a lot mm-hmm. of parents are going through this where uh, you're struggling to be the teacher and the mother at the same time. And then you have to kind of switch roles. And I could see that I was trying not to yell. He was trying not to cry. And I was like, okay, let's just take a break, step back, hug me and we start again as opposed to just screaming and like throwing the pencil at him, which I was tempted to do. So I still feel like we have days when you're like, are we doing this right? And I'm, I'm it's seven years into my parenting journey, journey now. So 
So are there anything, uh, any parenting tips specific to the pandemic or COVID times? You know, it's uh, been tough on everyone and uh, schooling from home is particularly difficult because of, uh, yes. it's for the first time everyone's doing it. So mm-hmm. any tips related to that or any uh, observations? Especially when you're working also, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been very vocal about the fact that pandem- the pandemic schooling has been a nightmare and it's very stressful. But I have to say that's part, um, we're dealing with it well on a day-to-day basis. But overall, I'm dying to go back to work and dying to go back to a sense of normalcy. And even like going to the gym in the morning, my timings and everything is different because I have to be home and on the dining table by 8.30. So your whole day kind of uh, shifts. But I think the important part is having some kind of a schedule. I know a lot of people break up the homework and say, we'll do a little bit now, we'll do a little bit in the afternoon. I find it easier to get it done in one go. If we need a few minutes off in between, that's fine. But just because when you sit down and you know that, okay, two o'clock is lunchtime and after that we can play and that's our free play time. And then five o'clock, we all go to the garden. Um, It's a little bit easier to get it done. So I would say having a rough plan, it doesn't have to be minute by minute, but having a rough plan for your day makes it a lot easier. Even for me, I know that like my emails are mounting, but I know at five o'clock when the kids go down, that's my time to sit and catch up. So I don't feel as pulled into different directions as the day through the day because I know my time to catch up on everything is coming as well. So that's something that's been really, really helpful to me. And I'm constantly keeping notes of things that I have to do because there's so much going on simultaneously that I feel like you have to have um, a place where you can kind of just keep that listed because with the 10 assignments due for Rian and the five assignments due for Kiara and then my many different things happening on the work front, it's difficult to keep track of all of it. Yeah, and keeping a schedule is like really important, I guess, because, you know, otherwise you have to sort of multitask at the same time it becomes uh, I think a lot <laughs> I find I'm constantly going back to the school emails like um, what time was that meeting tomorrow and what time is that mm. meeting on Friday and so now it's just easier to set alerts mm-hmm. on iCal so that I know 15 minutes before I have something it will ring right I think just planning and routine is so important yeah. in these uncertain times if we can just allocate our time better I think I also want to add, I think as hard as it's been for us, like Mm -hmm. for parents who are home, it's so much harder for the kids. And I don't think we realize that because Mm -hmm. for them, the entire world has shrunk. My daughter was three the last time she left the house without a mask. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even now they only go for like a drive and back or something like that. It's barely anything. So their worlds have really shrunk a lot more than ours. They're not on the phone. They're not texting. They're not on social media. So I feel like parents need to be a little bit sensitive to that that even they're going through their moods and their anxieties because so much has changed around them. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about, you know, this um, from going from the concept of uh, no screen time for kids to so much screen time now because they're studying online. So Mm -hmm. uh, how do you find that balance? So on school days, they're not allowed any screen time. And I was more lenient with this uh, in the beginning of pandemic when it felt like it would be over in a month. Now that we know this seems to be the way of life, probably through most of this year as well, uh, given that there's no kids vaccine on the horizon. uh, I don't give them screen time beyond school at all during the week. Uh, Maybe if they're reading something and they're like, 
Uh, we use a website for some books and if we're reading on that, that's the only additional screen time that they get. But my kids are only allowed television on the weekends. And again, in the first uh, month, I would give them, I was like, okay, you really want to try this edutainment app here. But I realized that that was that extra screen time was adding up through the week. So on the weekends, we do a, on Friday nights, we do a pajama party where we all get into my bed after eating dinner and I'll order something just to make them happy. So like last Friday, I ordered in strawberries and cream <laughs> and we all wore matching PJs and we watched a movie in my bed. And for them, that's their highlight of the week. Uh, Rian, I caught Rian asking Siri how many hours until Friday night. You know, so they really look forward to that. And it's such a small little thing. And we know we're not getting out. Uh, so, you know, it's just making these little magic moments uh, right. for them that makes it a little bit easier. But I'm not giving them so much screen time. They're allowed on Friday and on Saturday. And on Sundays, they're allowed 12 to 1. Uh, sorry, 1 to 2 in the afternoon or 1 hour before lunch. Um, and that's it. Wonderful. So before we go to break, Tanya, where is your book available? My books are available everywhere. It was in all bookstores, but it's also on Amazon and Flipkart and on Kindle as well. Okay. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, uh, are you available on social media now or are you still off it? Very much so. No. So I got into <laughs> social media um, about five years ago. I started a Facebook page just to promote my blogs. Mm-hmm. And then, Which is wonderful uh, yeah. actually. <laughs> Thank I, you. I actually love the reviews on products also that you've done. It's... Um, very helpful and I think thank you so much you know it's taken on a life of its own because my Instagram page is not that old it said it said I started about four and a half years ago but I think I'm hitting 80,000 followers this week and I'm very interactive I respond to all my DMs Um, I keep contemplating having someone else help me with it but I know it won't be the same so I don't see that happening anytime soon but um, I've been working with brands now for the last few years as well and honestly with so many people I get daily questions for parenting advice and I respond to them myself that's so sweet that's fantastic <laughs> and uh, we're just going to take a short break and we'll be right back after this Welcome back, guys. We still have with us Tanya Kupchandani Watsa, author of the book, All You Need to Know About Parenting. Hey, Tanya, that was a really insightful first half. And uh, I hope all our listeners who are becoming parents, new parents, go and pick it up from Amazon or uh, available in the bookstores near you. I know lots of people who were pregnant in 2020. (laughs) To all of them. (laughs) That's true. I know of a lot of Corona babies coming up. I hope they all pick up the book. (laughs) (laughs) So the next book we are going to talk about is The Alchemist by Paulo Colo. And so Tanya, tell us why this book is special to you. So, you know, I'm uh, at this point in my life, if you if I read it, I would probably not relate to it at all because I'm someone who's not very spiritual. I believe very strongly in uh, my strength being inside me. Um, I don't I don't I'm not religious. I don't pray much. But at the point in my life when I read The Alchemist, it had such a strong impact because the saying of the book is um, when you really want something, the universe conspires to make it happen. And I remember I'm in general an anxious person. But when I was applying to colleges, that was my anxieties were at an all time high. And I was fixated on the idea of going to Columbia University. I even remember making my parents drive me to Shirdi um, so that I could take my application in front of like the Sai Baba statue before I sent it in for college. I was, I mean, so different from who I am now. But at that point, 
at some point I read that book and it just gave me a lot of faith to just let things happen because I knew that that was something that I really wanted in my life. I wanted to be in New York. I wanted to go to Columbia. And um, oddly enough, it didn't happen. I didn't get in at my undergraduate time, but I went there for my master's. So I felt that things really work out. Mm-hmm. And that book gave me a lot of faith um, just in believing in yourself and believing in the universe and in your own ability to make things happen. Yeah, it's an absolutely feel-good book. And I think uh, everyone picks it up at some point in their life. So absolutely, uh, I think it brings, you know, sort of calm to you. It's very uh, easy to read and you can like reflect on it for a while. And I think I must have read it when I was in college as well. So um, yeah, it, uh, even at that age, you know, you can sort of relate to it. So I think it's wonderful. Like that. It's written in, in such simple words. It's just for everyone. It's such an easy story to follow. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. And the next book that we are going to move on to is Leran by Sheryl Sandberg. Of course, another favorite book. We've spoken about it a few times on the podcast. Tell us why this book is special to you, Tanya. So, you know, I've always been very career oriented, even Mm -hmm. though like the pandemic has thrown that for a toss where I'm working more out of home and my priorities have shifted uh, to the blog a little bit more as opposed to healthcare, which is what I do primarily. Um, I'm the promoter of a cancer center that opened last year in Mumbai. And I did a lot of work on that while it was upcoming. Now, fortunately, it's a little bit, it's running. uh, So I'm more hands off. But um, and it's been easy for me to take that step back during pandemic. But I just feel, especially working in the US and then having worked here, if there's sexism in the workplace there, it's just prevalent so much more here. Uh, yeah. So I felt that that was a striking difference that I felt when I moved, also in terms of the professionalism. But Lean In is one of those books that really gives you confidence in yourself. And it's not, when I read about it, I expected it to be very preachy and I expected... Mm-hmm. Uh, it to be uh, from a perspective where she doesn't really understand um, what women go through when they're parents because the little clips that I had seen of it were so gung-ho about going back to work and Mm -hmm. how women should elevate themselves in the workforce that I had a feeling that the book would put a lot of pressure on you. But actually, when you read it, it's such an understanding perspective of what you go through as a woman. Um, It talks about pregnancy, talks about how Cheryl herself was so sick during her pregnancy and um, had to make the choices that she did. So I just felt that that's book that every woman in the workforce should read because not only does it tell you how to kind of put yourself out there and elevate yourself but it tells you why it's important um there are lots of facts and figures and i know they're u.s based about the discrepancy there in terms of the pay scale it's so much more here um so you know it's just a book that i think every woman in the work for for especially indian women need to read and it gives you a little motivation to balance your work uh, work life and home life a little bit better yeah, yeah, you're absolutely, absolutely yeah. right. You know, when you speak about the imbalance in uh, sexism, I mean, it's it's far more openly prevalent here, I would say. So, you know, you worked in both places, the US and yes. India, uh, and you've been working here for a while. Do you see things improving for uh, women in the workforce or what has been your observation? So, you know, I'm in a family office, um, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different because uh, a lot of the structure is set by me. So I get respect based on the fact that 
my father's the founder of the company um and so i feel some of that respect is afforded to me because of that but when i step out even for meetings i've worked in the startup space on my own it's very very hard to get that kind of respect as a woman uh, even to get people to take you seriously i i worked in skincare for 2 years i was working on a project that i didn't end up going ahead with but i remember asking my husband to come with me for initial meetings because i was just so um appalled at the fact that i was going for meetings in uh, in up in noida and i just felt that i wasn't taken seriously at all and everyone mm-hmm. asked me to tell me your background tell me what your family does tell me what your husband does but it's not right. about what you do and what does your husband do is such a prevalent question mm-hmm. uh, in the indian workplace which is so sad because no one in the us would ever dare to ask me that unless it came up in the conversation that's one thing i think uh that in fact you know staying in bombay we don't realize so much but uh it's it's a huge struggle for women to sort of um, they don't you know rightly value themselves i think like and it's easier to so like i was reading a harvard business review uh, on uh, how women settle for lesser pay scale way more than men do because they feel mm-hmm. like they're not deserving of a higher amount so negotiation with women is what much more easier for organizations yes. and um, that's really sad because i think you know they can multitask so much mm-hmm. and you know uh, we are natural caregivers and also can you know bring empathy to an organization so i think that yeah that's that's one of the sad points that we need to deal with and this book really does uh, bring it out really well true <laughs> So the next book that we are moving on to is how to talk so kids will listen and how to listen so kids will talk. Uh, tell us a little bit. It's an interesting book. Uh, It's a really interesting book, and actually, the same set of authors have also written about a book called Siblings Without Rivals, without mm-hmm. siblings without rivalry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're two of my favorite parenting books, just because it breaks it down very simply. and it actually gives you dialogues between a mother and child and tells you how to respond to it and um i know that that a lot of uh, moms here have attended workshops about these books as well that's not something i've attended but i was in a really difficult um phase with my son my daughter was little and he was just throwing these tantrums for no reason i found it odd because i did so much work prepping my son to be a big brother and then he but my daughter was premature so she was a child who would nurse 9 to 10 hours a day um and so literally anywhere i went i would have her attached to me i would go for birthday parties or classes with him and i would have her on me under a cover so i was one of those moms who just put her in a sling and took her everywhere which is really unusual here because you get all kinds of looks but um i did that because i didn't want my son to feel like i was choosing to stay home uh because of the baby and not out and about with him and still he went through this phase where i felt that he was hitting and biting and and it was coming out on me it wasn't coming out on anywhere one else so i started reading that book and the phase was really short lived so i'm sure that there was something in my parenting strategies <laughs> as well that worked mm-hmm. um but that book gives you a really good insight on how to respond when your children are in these situations and a lot of the questions i get even on my page is my son is biting or is is throwing a temper tantrum or they're not listening or they not eating and how do you deal with that and this simply breaks it down for you that when you're when they're in that moment how do you address that how do you address their anger and how do you not make it about anything else and at the same time uh, it tells you not to focus on the negative so if they're saying that i feel so ugly when you're responding to them you don't use that word ugly back 
Mm. Um, so you're not reinforcing it. Even if you're saying it positively, that word shouldn't be used again. So simple things like that, which we don't uh, realize when we're speaking, it just makes you aware of what you're saying as a parent because I mean, they're learning from us even more so now with them at home. They're drawing so much strength and so much of the way they interact with the world and even with each other from us. So I just felt that this book really threw a lot of good light on um, things that we might not realize we're doing. Yeah, they're absolutely like, you know, observing you all the time whenever you don't even realize it, actually. So um, it's, it's, it's quite a nice book to read, I guess, because, you know, it'll give insight into all of that. Absolutely. And the final book that we're moving on to is It's Okay That You're Not Okay. Uh, this one talks about mental health and, you know, we've, uh, Racheta had uh, started an initiative at the uh, Open Library Project where we gave our employees uh, one day off every month if they wanted just to, just a mental health day to reconcile their, yeah. yeah. So tell us about this book. Tanya. Honestly, mental health. So the reason I chose this book, uh, I had a few other books in mind and then I picked this one to talk about because it's a subject that we just don't discuss at all especially in this country and I know um, last year there was a whole storm of people who at least social media was talking about mental health matters and then again that died down but I went through something um, I lost my puppy in 2019 and he was someone who was with me from the time when um, before I met my husband I was living alone in New York I was working uh, and I got him and so it was just he was just such a big part of my life that till date if you ask me who the uh, number one priority in my life has been uh, it was always Coco in fact we're sitting under a blow up photograph of him but um, so when he passed away he was sick for really long he was sick for a year and a half and even though I went through that with him he kept bouncing back so Mm -hmm. even the final time I kind of expected him to bounce back and when I realized that his organs were failing and I had to make that decision um, I went through a lot because I was the one who decided to pull the plug even though now I know in hindsight that I didn't have an option because Mm -hmm. he was a going on his own anyway but also I had a very hard time getting back to being normal Um, I ran away I literally packed my bags I put my ashes in my bags and I went uh, went to New York the next day because I didn't want the kids to see what a bad state I was in and even in New York I have a home there Um, there were days when I couldn't get out of bed and I came back and it was it was as bad it was like I had run away and come back it wasn't like I had dealt with uh, the grief or what I had to go through I came back 10 days later and everything was right there waiting for me in addition to the kids who were wondering where the hell I'd run off to Mm. so um, it took me a long time to get over that but this book was something that um, I had a friend who kept telling me go see a grief counselor my brother kept telling me go see a grief counselor and on impulse I downloaded this book and it was something that really helped me snap out of it um, take responsibility it helped me also feel what I was feeling so that I didn't feel guilty about the grief Um, and then kind of man up and say okay I'm okay I'm better these are my steps forward and this is how I get back to normal life I have to take a moment for (laughs) this but uh, I know I think uh, losing a dog like just losing a pet is really difficult and uh, yeah I think this last year has also been you know extremely difficult on people so um, I guess this book uh, would you know uh, help a lot of us right now I think we don't realize, you know, there are some deep-seated anxieties related to the pandemic or losing, you know, I mean, losing near and dear ones is something Mm -hmm. that goes on on our minds so much. So 
uh, yeah, I think for any uh, dealing with loss, you would. Think. It's a great book even to download and keep because I felt that when the pandemic happened, and then I was like, okay, I'm home around the clock, and Coco is not there, and it wasn't even a year. Um, so I kept going back to it, and I've opened it at different points in my life um, within the last year and a half, and I felt it's really gotten me through a lot. A great book recommendation, especially in these times. Thank you so much for being on the show, Tanya. That was a very insightful episode, and I'm sure all the new parents and to be parents will be very happy to pick up all you need to know about parenting. Available on Amazon and bookshops near you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was lovely. And you can share your Instagram handle as well because I enjoy absolutely. Want everyone to follow <laughs> My Instagram handle is Mommy Diary. Fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Big thank you to all our listeners. You can follow the Open Library Project on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook for latest updates on our events. And stay tuned for the next paperback podcast on IVM Podcasts. Happy reading! You can follow IVM Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVM Podcasts. Listen to paperback on the IVM Podcast app, website, or wherever you listen to podcasts.